I'm Dr. Fred Silva of Arcana Laboratories, coming to you from Little Rock, Arkansas, with another installment of Throwback Thursday. Dual glomerulopathies. Doctors Bertani and others from Italy, as well as Dr. Parani and his Chicago, New York groups, were among the first to indicate that sometimes Occam's razor, the law of parsimony, can cut you. Occam was a 1300 to 1400 cleric who suggested that entities are not to be multiplied beyond necessity or keep it simple. Renal pathology has advanced to the stage where two fairly distinct glomerular patterns could be seen in the same patient, hence dual glomerulopathies. Indeed, there are several reports of three glomerular diseases in the same patient in the same biopsy. Does anyone out there have four? As Dr. Prani often stated, having one glomerular process does not necessarily protect the glomerulus from having other associated patterns of disease, and maybe even sometimes predisposes the glomerulus to a second unrelated injury or disease pattern. One of the most common dual glomerulopathies is diabetic nephropathy and a second unrelated disease pattern. In the past, it was my experience that the most common pattern superimposed upon diabetic nephropathy was membranous glomerulonephropathy. And some, before 1981, with the introduction of recombinant human insulin, thought that the membranous was a result of antibodies to the porcine or bovine insulin. However, we still see membranous glomerulonephropathy nowadays in diabetes treated with human insulin, so that was probably not the etiology pathogenesis of the membranous in diabetes. At least 40 different renal diseases or patterns have been seen in the same biopsy of patients with diabetes and diabetic nephropathy. Most diabetics are generally not biopsied unless there is something atypical about their renal progress, such as sudden onset of severe proteinuria, hematuria, rise in serum creatinine, no eye changes, apparently short duration of clinical diabetes. However, if you study the first three dozen or so articles on what is found in a series of diabetics biopsied, the range of finding a second disease with or without diabetic nephropathy ranges greatly from 10 to 80%, of course, depending in part on the clinical criteria for biopsy. From the literature, it would seem that nowadays the most common second pattern noted in diabetes with or without diabetic nephropathy, is IgA deposition in the mesangial regions, either primary IgA or often associated with Staph aureus or MRSA infections. Immune complex deposition other than IgA is also a leading second part of the diabetes dual glomerulopathy findings. Other diseases found in association with diabetes and diabetic nephropathy include NIGBM disease, minimal change disease, if the diabetes is very early, fibrillary glomerulonephritis, and light chain deposition, which of course can have Kimmel-Still-Wilson-like mesangial nodules, thus complicating the morphologic diagnosis 
although aminofluorescence usually helps. ANCA and thrombotic microangiopathies, and of course, diabetic nephropathy can be considered a type of TMA at times. Non-diabetic glomerular processes can be seen in diabetes and diabetic nephropathy, although at times it is difficult to separate tubular interstitial processes, even with abundant eosinophils or focal sclerosis, from totally being due to diabetic process. A listing of these 40 superimposed non-diabetic diseases, as well as a listing of the first 30-plus protocols looking at diabetic patients' kidneys, can be attained from me upon request. A number of other primary disease patterns, such as IgA, have been associated with other non-diabetic diseases, such as membranous glomerulonephropathy, ANCA with infection-related glomerulonephritis, and so on. Thus, even though one can diagnose a renal disease, beware that there may be a second or even a third underlying or accompanying disease, and that is why the clinician has biopsied the patient to see if in addition or in place of a diabetic nephropathy, for example, there is an unrelated disease that can be successfully treated. It is possible that having one disease can predispose to another, such as hypertensive arterial sclerosis with advancing diabetic nephropathy or a focal and segmental glomerulosclerosis in a progressive disease, that is, a final common pathway of injury. The only renal disease that I've heard of that may protect somehow the glomerulus from injury is in APOL1 nephropathy, protecting the kidney from diabetic injury, but that needs to be further studied and is not the best way to protect the kidney from the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune. Thus, renal pathology and morphology has gotten to the stage where two or more renal patterns can be dissected from each other. However, other questions such as treatment, predispositions, prognosis remain. The older literature may show somewhat similar issues. For example, the last of the patients in the classic 1936 seminal study of diabetic nephropathy with Kimmelstil Wilson nodules by Kimmelstil and Wilson came into the hospital moribund, and we don't know for sure if the patient really had diabetes or, for example, light chain deposition disease, which was not yet described, but can look quite like nodular diabetic glomerulosclerosis. Good pastures, 18-year-old with crescents and pulmonary hemorrhage, did have a vasculitis. Was this truly anti-GBM, or could it have been ANCA? We'll never know, because according to Dr. Robert Colvin, Mass General Hospital, those slides are missing. They had looked for them, and they are no longer around. Thank you for listening. This podcast and more can be found in the iTunes and Google Play stores. For more information and educational programming like this, follow us on Facebook and Twitter, or visit us on the web at arcanalabs.com.